Welcome to Shovel Talk, a podcast for economic developers. From your friends at the Golden Shovel Agency. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Shovel Talk. I'm Bethany Quinn, and I'm here with Amanda Jenkins, your host, and we are excited to introduce our guest to you today, Mr. Chuck Sexton of One East Kentucky. But before we do, on our last podcast, Amanda gave some clues as to where in the world is Amanda. Some of you may have seen her uh, location on social media, but in case you haven't, Amanda, tell us a little bit more about where you happen to be living right now. Yeah, so I think the the clues were I wake up to a rooster, uh, good variety of margaritas, and then uh, sunset hikes in the desert. And so uh, for those who didn't see the answer, I am in San Jose del Cabo in Mexico. It is absolutely beautiful here. It's been in the mid 70s, already gotten sunburned. So it's just been great. (laughs) So I'll be living here for a couple months before I pick my next location to live. And I'm sure we'll be doing another game of um, where's where in the world is Amanda when I figure out where else I'm going. <laughs> Sounds fun. So Amanda, tell us about uh, one surprise that you did not expect about living in Mexico as a digital nomad. What's something that Ooh. unforeseen part of your adventure? One thing that was really cool that I got to do recently, <laughs> which I don't know if I really expected I was going to be able to do this or not, but I um, one of the hotels here actually allows you to use their rooftop infinity pool and spa that overlooks the whole ocean. It was completely something you would see on Instagram that like dreamy, a whole other world that, you know, I never thought I would touch. I I don't know. (laughs) So it was super dreamy that like total Instagram worthy picture type of place. So it was cool. (laughs) That's fun. It's always fun to discover those unique places and anywhere you travel. Definitely. All right. Well, it's time to meet our special guest. Let's bring in Chuck Sexton. So Chuck, your personal story is unique in that your upbringing wasn't what one might imagine for a future economic developer who's been traveling the world promoting East Kentucky. So tell us what was it like growing up as Chuck Sexton? So uh, I grew up in a fairly rural area of western Kentucky called uh, Water Region of Kentucky. All the inland rivers in the United States, actually the major ones, four of them converge in western Kentucky. And uh, I grew up in what's called the river bottoms of that area and um, grew up in a uh, musty old rusty trailer. My dad didn't have a regular nine to five type job. Uh, He was a, a tradesperson, but you know, there wasn't regular work for him. I remember going to get clothes and shoes at the you know, Salvation Army as a kid, you know, ride sharing and, and stuff with, with uh, family members and friends to get to school. Uh, you know, we didn't have a whole lot growing up. Uh, my parents even uh, pawned their wedding rings one year so that we could have Christmas presents. And then when I was about eight, my dad uh, got a job from with a company that had expanded in the area. It was a uh, rock quarry, actually, a limestone quarry. And uh, he got on as an equipment operator. And just, just a little while after that, we were able to get out of that trailer and, and get a real house. I wasn't having to uh, sleep in a 
a tiny room with my brother that was the size of a closet um, and a bunk bed anymore. We're able to have what I call a real house uh, made of wood. And um, it was nice to, to actually kind of be proud of, of your house finally. And uh, you know, by no means was it extravagant, but to me, it was huge. I had my own bedroom. My dad always told me I could work with my back or my brain. You know, he continues to say, I'm glad you chose to work with your brain. However, I did, I did test working with my back a little bit. When I graduated high school, my thought was, uh, I'm going to go and be an actor in New York or Chicago. I had a chance to uh, audition at the Juilliard in New York. And, um, even though dad had a good, you know, a decent job, we could afford a house. It still wasn't like a lot of money. So he couldn't afford to send me there to even audition. He couldn't afford a plane ticket to get me there. So. That kind of dashed my dreams of being an actor or a radio personality. So I actually ended up leaving college and got a job at a local radio station for a little while. I was a DJ. And I graduated high school at 17, so I hadn't even turned 18 at this point. And was just just trying to work my way through and figure out what the world I was going to do with my life. And I ended up getting a job with an international distribution company working part-time. I worked for them four days a week. I do construction on Fridays and Saturdays with my dad. And then uh, about the time I turned uh, 19, that company offered me uh, the opportunity to be an assistant manager. And by the time I was 20, I was a full-time manager for that company. The good thing about me is I look older than I am. And so at 20, everyone thought I was 28, maybe 30. No one questioned why this 20-year-old was running this company. Um, and I learned a lot, obviously, uh, being sort of thrown to the wolves there and, and running a company that young. But uh, it was good experience. I had a lot of uh, my first bout with stress at that point, which has helped me now that I'm 39 and I still have to manage stress well. Uh, I do it better now because I was doing it when I was 20. So I learned a lot from that company, uh, really learned the manufacturing side of the uh, United States and the supply chain and distribution and warehousing and, you know, running a business and accounting and inventory and just every aspect of, of, of business I learned from that company. I was with them for seven years. Um, and so, you know, growing up, running around outside barefoot, not having what we call in Kentucky a pot to piss in <laughs> and uh, not ever having dreams of doing anything beyond physical labor um, until I got a little older and my dad kept pushing me to do something with my life other than working with my hands constantly. It makes me feel good to know he's proud of what I'm doing today, which is helping other families achieve a dream for themselves like we did growing up. Um, and that's what really drives me and, and, and my staff members too. They have similar backgrounds to me and we have a lot of passion for economic development most awesome thing in the world is when somebody gets a job because of the hard work that you put in and they email you or they call you and thank you because they see who's behind the scenes and they're able to spend time with their family and do things for their family that they weren't for. I mean, what a great background to prep you for, for work in economic development. I mean, I know how much those businesses probably appreciate the fact that you, you know, you've been where they are, you've ran a business, you know, and, and you can help them from that personal experience. So that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And and Chuck, there's a problem with you. You're so good at answering questions. You just ran through like four of them. Uh-oh. But <laughs> you know, Amanda and I don't always talk a ton about ourselves, but you know, I uh, grew up in a household that 
you know, wasn't a ton of money as well. And my dad worked the same job for 30 years. He ended up getting laid off and was never able to recover from that. And I think that's a story that a lot of people um, in your region now in East Kentucky can relate to when an industry grows away and you've only done one thing your whole life. What do you do now? And how do you move on to the next thing? as a person and really as a community. And that's something that you are very much focused on in your role at One East Kentucky. So really, what is your perspective on how you move a community, move a people to the future? Well, one, they have to have hope. And, you know, that's something we strive to provide uh, just as much as our day jobs and what we're doing is try to you know, put the right messaging out there, which is one of the reasons we partner with Gold Shovel um, is to, you know, help put that messaging out there, that positive news for this region. You know, that job that my dad got that got us out of trailering into a house when I was a uh, junior in high school, he lost that job. And he was really worried. I knew he was. They didn't, you know, my parents didn't talk about it a lot, but uh, I know it affected them and I saw how it affected them and how they were worried about, you know, my brother and I. And uh, he was able to take his skill set that he gained with that company and transition it to a different industry that needed the same skill set, or at least a similar one. And so if you look at a place like Eastern Kentucky, who's just been decimated with the coal industry decline, my goal coming here was one, to understand what those coal-related skill sets were, and to take those and match those with target industries that one could thrive here because of location and distribution and supply chain but also because we had a, a, an advantage in our business case, which was those workers. And so, you know, that's what we tout more than anything when we're talking to a company is that we have this workforce in Eastern Kentucky that is highly mechanically inclined. They can transition easily into other industries. They have a very, very strong work ethic. They're loyal to employers. Uh, as long as a company is good to them, they're going to be good to that company. And what's been really satisfying is seeing uh, a company come into this region like Dashboard Aluminum uh, from Canada and hearing them every time we get together brag about the workforce in this area, how astounded they are with it. Uh, the workforce here, they told me, is 50% more efficient and productive than the workforce uh, that they have in Canada. And wow. I just think it's a, I think it's a regional thing. I think it's the, the value system uh, in this area uh, and the fact that these <laughs> these men and women who worked uh, in the coal mines in, and for the supply industries to those coal mines, you know, they had to work 12 and 14 hours a day. A lot of times they were driving two hours one way, two hours back. They were underground miners. Uh, they had to be extremely safety conscious. They also uh, had to be problem solvers. They had to think on their feet. If a piece of equipment broke down, uh, they had to be able to fix that equipment, ensure the safety of the people around them. And they really had to be a jack of all trades because it could be a mechanical issue, the electrical issue, who knows? And so what that does is allows them to, to really transition easily into other industries. And so seeing that happen and trying to push that to happen more is really what we're all about uh, as an organization. That was a good answer, Chuck. Thank you. <laughs> 94.7 WIVR. Oh, there you go. Bring out the radio voice. Here with Bethany and Chuck in the morning. There you go. You know, Amanda was a radio host for a while, too. She didn't tell you that. Oh, you guys should both Friends pull out your radio voices. Who could do the best tease or whatever you call it? The There's still some videos on YouTube. I did some voiceover work for a company in Paducah uh, for some commercials for, like, a credit union. And they're still out there? Yep. They're okay. still on. So, Chuck, tell us a little more about your time as an actor. 
My short stint in college was in the theater program, and uh, I was really excited about it. And the reason that I had, you know, I got the opportunity to go to audition in New York was because everyone in the class decided that we wanted to submit our work to Juilliard to see if we could get an audition in person. So at least at the time, the way it worked then, if you were a musician or an artist or an actor, you would submit pieces of your work. And then if they liked it, you would get to go in person. So everyone in my theater program uh, submitted uh, VHS tapes. Uh, We all edited together, which I learned doing a separate thing in high school. We had a we had a television studio in my high school. And so I also was a reporter on the morning announcements, which wasn't just for the school. We did the morning news for the entire county that I lived in. It went out on the cable uh, network. And so I knew how to video edit and do all that stuff. And I helped everybody put their tapes together and we submitted them. I was the only one in the class. A couple of months later, I got a packet uh, from Juilliard to fill out paperwork and to get scheduled to come in in person. And when I realized that wasn't going to happen, a few of us talked about moving to Chicago and trying to get into Second City, but it seemed too risky to me at the time. Um, so that's when I transitioned into business, but I never really lost my, my acting bug. And so, you know, I, I moved with that, uh, that company I spoke about. I moved to Henderson, Kentucky and got linked up with a local community theater there and performed on stage. Uh, in quite a few shows. I've done The Odd Couple. There's another Neil Simon play called God's Favorite. It's actually a, it's like a modern day comedy uh, twist on the book of Job from the Bible. It's actually more of a dark comedy that he wrote at a dark time in his life. And it's a very, very funny show. Um, Charles Nelson Riley was in it originally on Broadway and I was playing that part. And so I did a Charles Nelson Riley impersonation in that, uh, in that show. And I thought it was fantastic. But at any rate, uh, even when I moved back to Paducah, um, you know, I, I, I left that company I was talking about being a business manager for them. My mother uh, got cancer and, and I wanted to be near her uh, in the last few years of her life. So I moved back to Paducah and got into um, strategic planning and working with small businesses there for a company. And uh, when I got back there, Paducah has a very, very robust community theater. It's called Market House Theater there in Paducah. It's one of the largest in the state of Kentucky. And so I just started uh, going on auditioning for shows. Uh, I did a two-person show. It was also based on a biblical story. It was uh, about Adam and Eve. I'm trying to remember the name of that one. But, you know, it was just the two of us having to um, uh, do that do that show for two and a half hours. And what was interesting was I got cast as Adam first, and then I had to go to all the auditions for Eve. And the director... She wanted me there because there was this very passionate makeout scene in the show. And so I had to make out with five different actresses in front of the director because the reason she wanted to do that was because it was in their what they called their intimate theater. It wasn't in the full theater because it was just a two-person show. They did it in their 50-seat theater. And everyone's really close to the stage, and they wanted it to be real. So, you know, Eves would come in, and they would read their lines and I would read them with them. And then we would read up to the point of the make out and then we would kiss. And so the girl that got the part when we made out, 
the director goes, she's like, oh, whew, it's getting hot in here. <laughs> well, that girl got the part. But at any rate. <laughs> what a tough role for you. My I goodness. know. You said you had to make out with five E's. But I, I don't really know how forced you were. One of the funniest <laughs> parts about doing those auditions was a girl who came in that I used to work with at Chuck E. Cheese when I was in high school. And she came in and we made out. She's like, hmm, hey, I didn't think I'd ever see you again. I'm like, okay, probably not going to see me again after this. So um, at any rate, I, I started uh, doing some shows with them, uh, both in Paducah and in Murray, Kentucky. They have a good one there, Playhouse in the Park. And uh, probably the, my favorite thing I've ever done, uh, I was the Cowardly Lion in The Wizard of Oz. And, and what was hilarious about that was I got that part in Murray and right as we started shows, they were having auditions for Wizard of Oz back in Paducah. So I thought, what the hey, I'll go audition for the Cowardly Lion there too. And I got that part. But once I was in the shows, in the swing of rehearsals and shows, I thought, I can't, I can't play the Cowardly Lion for six months this year. I just can't do that. So I gave up the role in Paducah and just did it in Murray. But that led me to, to meet a lot of people, uh, a lot of really great friends uh, in the community theater scene. And they started doing um, the 48 hour film project there in Paducah, uh, which is an independent film competition. And so I do have a few short independent films that are on YouTube as well that I'm in. Um, I, I enjoy it. I've not gotten to do anything like that in six years. The last thing I did was Grapes of Wrath right before I moved to East Kentucky. So. Mm-hmm. Now, can you give us the line from the, what does the cowardly lion say? Is that the one with the heart? Like, give us the line. Let's hear it. (laughs) When Dorothy slaps him. (laughs) What did you do that for? I didn't invite him. (laughs) Oh, that was awesome. Round of applause. (laughs) I just sing the song too. The king of the forest. That's awesome. Let's put a pin in that. We're coming back to it. Okay. Definitely. So, hey, you said that there was more to the story of how you got involved in economic development. Tell us, how did you go from being the cowardly lion to economic developer extraordinaire? Actually, that was right before I got into economic development. I finished up that show. So I I moved back to Western Kentucky, you know, like I said, to be with my mom and, um, you know, be around her. And uh, I went to work for this, this really good company there doing strategic planning, working with small businesses. And part of my role was to you know, build relationships with uh, the business community. So I got really involved with the Chamber of Commerce there. And uh, I got on a few committees with the Chamber, uh, went through their leadership program called Leadership Paducah. And the president of the Chamber of Commerce, Elaine Spaulding, she's a really great friend. She's in uh, Round County, North Carolina now. She encouraged me um, when they had an opening in the economic development CEO position in Paducah, uh, Chad Chancellor was brought on board as the president of that organization. And he was looking for a couple of project managers that were local, but who had a background uh, that would suit economic development and uh, knew the community had already networked and knew the folks in the region And so I went and sat down with him, not knowing what in the world economic development was. Uh, But Elaine believed in me and she felt I had the experience level to do this. So uh, I went and met with Chad and uh, interviewed with him. And when he told me what economic development was, I thought it was sounded like the greatest career 
that anyone could ever have, especially a guy who grew up poor and wanted to see more opportunities for, for his dad, for himself, for his friends. And so if I could uh, be a part of a team that, that was changing the economic uh, landscape of the region, I wanted to jump at a chance to do that. So luckily Chad gave me the opportunity and was a, a really good mentor and um, pushed, pushed me and, and Alex, uh, Alex Metzger, who I don't know if you all know Chad and Alex very well, but Alex and Chad are our business partners now in Next Move Group. And uh, it was funny because I worked for Alex's dad in high school at Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> and worked with Alex at Chuck E. Cheese. We were the same age and we were also the same age as Chad. We were all 28. I'll never forget the, uh, the local paper, the Paducah Sun, uh, when we all finally came on board together. The headline was, the future of Paducah is in the hands of three 28-year-olds. <laughs> so tell us, Chuck, what's your greatest motivation? For me, it's, it's really uh, about what I said earlier. It's, it's about trying to change the, the future for families in this region in particular. Um, I don't think there's a region in the United States. I mean, obviously, this is in the eye of the beholder, but I don't think there's a region in the United States that needs economic diversification more than Eastern Kentucky. You know, these folks have been stepped on a lot. I mean, it's not just that they've had a hard, a hard time with the coal industry, not just the coal industry recently, but you know, there's been a roller coaster in the coal industry for decades. Uh, And now that it's, you know, the primary job creator in the region is pretty much non-existent. And you add to that fact that Eastern Kentucky has been depicted in media and just about every political campaign and every newspaper as being this terrible place, it doesn't make it any easier to, to do economic development here. And so in my mind, it's not just about lifting up the people, it's about lifting up the area's image as well, because this is a great place. There are great people here. It has its problems, just like every other area of the United States has its problems. It's just been crapped on, quite frankly, uh, in the media more than any other area. And not that I don't like the show Justify. I really enjoy that show. But it doesn't do any favors either when when you have a television show like that. And 99% of the people who watch it think that it's all based on true life that's happening now. And that's that's not the case. And it's interesting because uh, we've often joked that people sometimes think of East Kentucky and they start hearing banjos playing in the background. But you've actually taken quite a few steps to change that image by using modern technology. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So, uh, number one, I'd like to say I do a lot of hiking around here. I play a lot of golf around here, some beautiful golf courses here. And I have never once heard a banjo playing anywhere. (laughs) So, you know, one of the things we wanted to do in partnering with you all at Golden Shovel was to make sure that the positive aspect of what's going on here in Eastern Kentucky, not just our work, but positive news from other aspects of the region is reaching a broader audience, but at the same time, a targeted audience. And so, you know, working with you all and, you know, partnering with LinkedIn on some of these articles has been really, really important uh, because as I'm going out and trying to meet with companies and working with our third-party consultant to line up meetings, it's always helpful that Golden Shovel has blanketed that area with positive news about Eastern Kentucky before we show up or before they start reaching out to those companies. It's, it's nice that maybe the, an executive at an automotive company in Ontario has seen some positive news about Eastern Kentucky, and then they get a phone call saying, hey, would you like to meet with someone from there? It makes it a lot easier to get those meetings. You know, we've, we've run into in the past where we've not done that, 
<laughs> I'll give you a specific example. So uh, we tested an email marketing campaign with another company. And it was just, you know, a certain number of leads per month. They get a, a blanket email from us trying to get us some meetings uh, churned up in a different manner than what we're currently doing and see if it works. And it looks like, you know, it comes from me. And so when they reply, it comes back to me. And a gentleman in Florida uh, responded and said, uh, hey, I was thinking about coming up to uh, Eastern Kentucky and going to Harlan, which is where Justify was based. It was not filmed there. <clears throat> he said, should I bring a gun with me? Whoa. So knowing his name and where he's located, I looked up FBI crime statistics where he lived as well as Harlan. And so my response was, you know, I would absolutely encourage you to bring a gun with you if you're an outdoor enthusiast, if you like to hunt, because uh, there's a lot of great hunting in our area. However, if you mean bring a gun with you for protection, I would imagine that if you don't carry a gun with you where you are, you certainly don't need one if you come visit Harlan County because you're 50 times more likely to be murdered or shot where you live now than in Harlan. So he responded and apologized profusely, but um, yeah, we quit doing that too. Uh, we would rather do what we're doing with you all and have those positive news articles go out before anyone's contacted from our area because it it does help uh, a great deal. And, and it's not just um, targeting people uh, that we're trying to meet with. It's also targeting people who may have grown up here, who may have an interest in seeing this area thrive and trying to get them interested in supporting our efforts as well. And, and we've gotten some, uh, some communications and positive responses from people in that realm as well. So Chuck, we know obviously very well that One East Kentucky is really leveraging video and virtual reality right now to communicate with site selectors and industry leaders. I know that uh, some of that was already in the works prior to COVID, but you've really emphasized that with everything that's happened over the past year. Tell us why that's such an important part of your strategy and what you're doing. Well, I've always been a fan of, of making sure that we have you know good video work uh, about our region. I think it's important to show off this area, especially with the things we've talked about regarding you know the negative aspect that or the negative light that this area has been put in, especially. But as COVID came along, you know, I, I thought about doing some VR videos a, a couple of years ago because you all were showcasing the technology. I always like to be on the cutting edge of things, but. Uh, with with the pandemic, especially coming along like it did. And, and I'd had an idea about five years ago, uh, I'd seen the Matterport technology used for residential real estate and just thought, man, wouldn't that be awesome uh, for industrial real estate and to have that on your economic development website to really show off a building. So, you know, if a person can't come in or they want to get a good feel for a, a facility, they can actually do a physical walkthrough of that facility and and look at it in a dollhouse view and look at it from above and they can actually take and measure uh, where their equipment's going to be on the floor plan of that facility. So Matterport to me, as, as that technology continues to improve is going to be really critical for economic development going forward. But the, the VR on top of that, you know, with the pandemic causing our normal everyday jobs to come to a standstill, not being able to go out and meet with companies face to face, you know, we have to have the technology in our office as well as on our website so that we can meet virtually with companies and continue to do what we do. Uh, because right now, the economy is starting to turn around. Companies are starting to make decisions. And uh, we've got to be prepared as an organization uh, to market this area, even if we can't meet with them in person, even if they can't come visit this area in person 
we have to be able to send that to them virtually. And so I'm really excited as we, because we're getting this stuff on our, on our website, I guess today, on our virtual uh, videos uh, and some of our Matterport is going up. And so, and we just started meeting with companies virtually last week. So it's really, really critical timing for us, especially because a lot of the companies we're meeting with are international. It's not just domestic. And so because we have a focus on FDI, uh, it makes it even easier for us because who knows when we'll get to go to Europe again. I mean, Canada is still a huge question mark for us because they're not even really getting vaccines out there. So uh, I would imagine that we might not get into Canada until 2022. Uh, so we have to be able to do this uh, in order to market to those companies. You add on top of that that we have a Canadian company who made the decision and got their facility started up during COVID. They have suppliers who may want to come here. Even if we weren't out recruiting, we still have to have this so that we can try to capture those that supplier network for this company to get them here. Sure. So, Chuck, for our listeners that want to go check this out, do you want to give our listeners your website so they can go check it out? Yeah, it's uh, oneeastky.com. That's spelled out. So there are two E's in a row, O-N-E-E-A-S-T-K-Y.com. We do have a, a specific page for our virtual videos. Uh, I just can't remember which page it is right now. We just did a, um, an advertisement in the Kentucky Economic Development Guide. And Ivy on my staff, her, her thought process behind it was to make it all about our virtual marketing. And so there's a QR code that's inlaid with the uh, advertisement that's in the magazine so that people can scan it and takes it straight to the, uh, straight to the page. And I'm sure it'll be uh, a link will be up on your um, social media and such too. So yeah, um, we'll be pushing out a press release pretty soon about that. I'd say site select virtual tours. That's what it's under oneeastky.com site selection, virtual tours. Just came to me. <laughs> so Chuck, if you could tell our listeners one thing about East Kentucky, what would that one thing be? It is an absolutely gorgeous place to visit. You know, your listeners are probably people who do what I do. So I'm not going to talk about why they need to put a plant here or a factory here. But for people out there who like to do outdoors things, this is a wonderful place to visit. One of only two interstate parks in the United States is here. The deepest gorge east of the Grand Canyon, it's called the Grand Canyon of the South, is here, the Brakes Interstate Park. If you like to kayak, whitewater raft, mountain bike, play golf, hike, this is a wonderful place to do it. So it's a great place to visit. All right. So we have come to the part in our uh, podcast episode here where we play a little game. And so uh, we're calling it the lightning question game. And so it's a get to know you type of game. Uh, There's, uh, I think, eight or nine questions for you. And so Darren basically puts one minute on the clock and you answer the first thing that comes to mind. So you go through the questions as fast as you can. (laughs) Then we'll see how many we get through. And they get more interesting as we go. So Darren, if, if you could put one minute on the clock for us. I have a special one at the end and you, you have to answer it either way. Okay. What is the last book you read? Uh, Never Eat Alone. I just reread that one. Favorite podcast? Uh, Joe Rogan Experience. I was going to say wrong answer. It's supposed to be Shelf Talk. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> First thing you do in the morning. Brush my teeth. <laughs> Favorite superhero and why? Superman, because he is the bomb. What superpower would you want and why? Flight. Always wanted to be able to fly. I don't know why. (laughs) If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would you live? 
for a year by myself. Oh, if you could have a meal with anyone in history, who would it be with and why? Oh, God. Bless America. I don't know. There's so many. Only one. (laughs) Anyone in history. You know what? I I really do not know who I would want to, if there was only one person. My great-grandfather, Lorenzo Ramsey Baker, because he was a moonshiner between the rivers, and I would love to hear those stories. That would be awesome. Favorite band or singer when you were a teenager? The Backstreet Boys. Last question. The moment I've been waiting for, give us the Cowardly Lion song. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) If I were king of the forest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know know a better way to end a podcast. I'll tell you that. I'm going to go slam my head in the door now. That was amazing. (laughs) No, that was awesome. Thank you. Perfect. Chuck Sexton, thank you so much for being with us here today on Shovel Talk. We had so much fun learning about your background. And I don't think any of our guests have had such an incredible voice before you. So you can come and sing on our podcast at any time. Anytime. Perfect. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Thank you all. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of Shovel Talk. We did just recently put out a Opportunity Zone ebook. So be sure to get that. It is at our website at goldenshovelagency.com. You should see a pop-up come up where you can download that ebook. And be sure to follow us on social media, which you can also find on our website.